senorita Really nice to meet ya Have some tequila and stay this week on Squats and Margaritas, it's fitness trainer and mom of three, Tess Franklin. We're the same. Both of us got in the best shape of our lives after having kids, a time when a lot of people put their kids first and no longer make themselves a priority. I cannot wait to chat with her about things we can do to make ourselves and our fitness a priority. Here's my episode with Tess Franklin. One of the things that drew me to you is most of the time when you have kids, like you're a mom now. It's like, it's now it's about the kids. There's no time for fitness. And in your twenties, you have all this time to go to the gym. You didn't find like this healthy lifestyle that you live until you were a mom. And while most people think it's harder to work out as a mom, you called it the best thing that ever happened to your health. Yeah. It saved my health. Um, I had been an active person. I had been into fitness, like competitions and stuff. I had been active, you know, in the fitness community for a little while, but kind of struggling to find my footing. Um, I I've mentioned to you before that I struggled with binge eating and when I became pregnant with my first baby, actually, I ended up miscarrying that pregnancy, but everything changed for me. Like I gave myself permission to have whatever I wanted during my pregnancy. I was like, I'm not going to spend nine months like binging and restricting and doing all that mess all over again. So I'm just Mm going to give myself permission. And a crazy thing happened. I started to actually listen to what I wanted. Like, because I had that permission, there was no rules. I could just have whatever I want. And I was like, well, what do I actually want? Yes. And then I started having like salads for breakfast and I had, you know, I would stop eating KFC cause it made me feel gross. So like I, I just figured out my food because of pregnancy. Um, and that kind of, you know, trickled into all the other aspects of my life. And then when it came to workouts, like you just don't have to, how do you feel about swearing on your podcast? I welcome it. Okay. I don't have time to fuck around at the gym anymore. Like I was doing three hour workouts before going and like dilly dallying, you're chatting, you're stretching, you're doing all the things. I didn't have time for that anymore. I had like one hour. I would like pump before I left, pass the crying baby off to my husband. He's like, okay, hurry home, (laughs) run to the gym, power out my workout, only doing things that were actually going to work. You know, like I, I see so many women just spinning their wheels, doing all this unnecessary nonsense, you know, exercise that's not going to do anything for them or not, not anything for their specific goals. Let's say that. Um, so I just cut out all that extra stuff and only did the things that were going to work. I only have time for the things that are going to work. And the same with, you know, like any kind of diet protocol protocol, like I don't have time to waste on things that I don't enjoy and things that I know are not going to work for me. So that's it. Oh my God. So it just, it gave me this like focus Um, I became very unapologetic about pursuing what I wanted. Like I wanted to do a a figure competition and I just did it. Like I didn't feel any need to justify it. I just wanted to do it. And so I did like just, you know, like you have less time to worry about things that don't matter anymore. So it really like everything got very clear for me after I had kids. Like my priorities now are very clearly my kids first, my kids, my family, then my fitness and the health of my family work comes next and then everything else comes forth. So all those priorities just fell right into place and everything else just kind of aligned around those two priorities. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's given me a lot of balance. Yes. Squats and margaritas is the journey to finding balance. I'm still on it. And you said so much right there. The nonsense. You see women being in the gym forever. My background, I was a division one soccer player in college. Soccer was my entire life. Like growing up in high school, I, my disordered eating started. It was anorexia. Um, There was a time I wouldn't eat carrots because it was starchy carbohydrate. I would make myself nap. So I wasn't eating, got super skinny, got attention for it, but negative attention from a coach saying like, your crosses aren't strong anymore. You're losing the strength in your legs. And because soccer was Uh, everything to me, life. Yes. Soccer was my uh, value. I said, then I'll I'll eat, but then it evolved Mm -hmm. to uh, exercise bulimia, which I'm sure you're familiar with. I would work, I would eat, and then I would work out that exact calorie count. Like in my mind that it, that's how it worked. It canceled (laughs) out. So if I ate 300 calories, go on the elliptical 300 calories, I'm good. So I was eating, Uh, but obviously wasn't gaining weight. And I was just, it was all disordered eating until I got to college 
Um, I am a perfectionist firstborn. I worked my ass off every single day, all summer long, come into uh, freshman year. And I win all the fitness competitions and I'm like ready to go. Like in high school, we were back-to-back state champions. I was captain. I'm like, let's go. I wasn't playing. And I test like, I, I didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> like I was like on the yeah. bench after working so yeah. hard. So kind of, I don't want to say like on a whim, Lost. but kind of, I, yeah, I quit in the middle of my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. I remember we were at Michigan state. We were at Michigan state. My mom drove up from Ohio and I walked across the field and said, I'm done. Like as much as I'm putting into this and I'm not seeing the field, I quit. Like it's, it's not fair. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize until I quit soccer, how much mm-hmm. that was my value. And I sunk into depression. I still lived in the soccer house and the girls would like go on away trips and I'm just like sitting in the house. And that's when my bulimia started. Like binging and purging was like what I did now. I didn't have anything else going on. Yeah. I guess it was something I could control. Like you can get into that, but I, I was just going to say, is it a control thing? For yeah. You? When everything, yeah. there's nothing else. So I was like, I do this. I hid it from everyone struggle for 10 years with bulimia. And then after kind of getting, I don't have like a come to Jesus moment where I stopped doing, I stopped doing it. Um, I think it was because I became obsessed with my husband at the time. He was my boyfriend at the time. And like, because I have an obsessive personality, I started obsessing on like, is he cheating on me? And cause he was a professional athlete. Yeah, you just switched obsession. I swear to God, that's what, like I started obsessing <laughs> and my eating disorder uh, fell away. Like there was no time to obsess about anything else. Yeah. <laughs> but then I went into oh. like what I thought was healthy and what women do, which is cardio seven right. days a week. I only eat mm-hmm. salads. I don't snack. Mm-hmm. And I was so frustrated that I wasn't, I was mm-hmm. 20 pounds heavier than I am now working out seven days a week, eating salads and thinking like, this is what you do. It's calories in versus calories. Why out. isn't it working? Yeah. And when you said like the nonsense, like I would just do like an hour on the treadmill, I'm not lifting. I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to like this stigma in my mind, you run and you sweat and that's how you'll get in shape. And a trainer was like, you're frustrated. Like, how can I help you? And I was like, no, it's just, it's ridiculous. I don't need anything. I barely eat. I work out every day. And he's like, yeah, you need yeah, to. That's, <laughs> I was like, yeah, what? <laughs> women are told you're that. not women giving are, your body. No, yeah. I was starving. My body shut off. Yeah. You're not giving your results. body the things that it needs. Women are told calories in versus calories out. Eat your salads. Um, restrict your food and you'll lose weight because you're doing so much cardio that failed me for 20 years. And I didn't find lifting until like when I became a mom, like, because like what you said, I didn't have an hour to go take a class or I didn't have an hour to run on the treadmill. So it was like, I had to get like bang for my buck, get in there. And that was like getting a lift. Like I'd run for the, um, run for a couple of minutes to like warm up, warm but then up. lift yeah. and my body changed when I started lifting and lifting heavy. That's what I'm and, saying. Like, what, what do you tell to the woman that is like, I don't want to bulk up. What do you say to her? First of all, I think, when was this? How many years ago was this? So my daughter is about to be six. Um, I didn't really, really get into shape. So I would say I was about 30, like three years ago, 37. Okay. I would say it seems like the stigma is changing a little bit around women lifting weights, which is very exciting. I started in this industry, uh, in 2006 eight. So what, 13 years ago. And it was a really different atmosphere back then. It was like women do not lift. They'll get too bulky. Now I think we're seeing more women, thankfully to socially social media, which Mm -hmm. is like one of the good things that's come out of it. We're seeing more women with like gorgeous curves. Like we're seeing examples of how women who are muscular are curvy and gorgeous and sexy and powerful. And that's being celebrated. So I'm finding that for me, anyways, the women who are coming to me, it's because they've gotten over that whole, like, I don't want to lift to get bulky. They're like, okay, I'm embracing this. I do want to be curvy. I understand that I have to weight train. But now the problem is that they have no idea how to do that because we have been bombarded with that message of like, you have to eat nothing and do all the cardio and do all this. So they know that they want to build muscle. They want to get stronger but they don't understand how to eat or how to move in a way that leads to that, you know, gain. So yeah, that's one of the hardest things for me to deal with, with a, especially a new client, um, is getting them to eat more food. 
Yeah. Disordered oh, eating like people yeah. that I could, I was like, eat more to lose weight. Okay. Like I didn't, yeah. it, it didn't equate <laughs> like, that's not what I was programmed to do. And like the thing with the lifting, I am so hungry all the time. Now that I weight train, yes. oh, it turns on God. your metabolism and people yeah. don't think I never thought I would lose weight by lifting in my mind. I had to sweat and like, I didn't feel like if I finished like a weight training session, I'd be sweating a little bit, but it was like, I felt like I had to go run. Like I had another trainer on and she's like, it's like, we're programmed like sweat. You think you're like burning fat off sweat is just like fat. She's mm-hmm. like, it's nothing to do mm-hmm. with that. Like lifting I mean, muscle is the most metabolically active tissue in your body. And when you have more muscle, your metabolism is going to mm-hmm. speed up. My body just turned back on. Like I was so used to yeah. either starving when I was anorexic. And then when I was doing it the right way, I thought I was yeah. just, I wasn't even hungry anymore. Cause my body was like holding on to yeah. everything for survival because it didn't trust me. And now I just honor my hunger cues, which I realize I say a lot that like, it's so easy, but it took me 20 years from 16 oh, to 36 so to figure it out and honor yeah. hunger and honor fullness, like just listen mm-hmm. to your body. And when your body trusts you again, and you, you know, put muscle mm-hmm. on your body, listen to your hunger cues and just live your life. Not in that constant state of stress, which also produces cortisol, which makes you hold on to fat. And the thing is like, when you're, when you're not eating enough, right. You don't have energy. I I've not met that many like vibrant starving people. Right. Right. Um, So you don't, (laughs) so you don't have the energy to go into your workout and put 10 out of 10 effort into that workout. And what that means is that you're not going to build muscle. Um, but when you start eating more, then you have the energy to go into those training sessions, give it your all, work really freaking hard, build the muscle, which gives you more of an appetite. So you eat more food and then you lift more. And it's this like, you know, it's this, it's this perpetuating thing, but it's getting out of that cycle. And it's, you know, it's eating more when you don't feel like you should, you know, breaking out of that comfort zone, that initial like shock of it. That's the really, really hard part, I think, for women. And that's why, like, I know I I like the idea of intuitive eating as well. But I think when you're first getting started, it's not intuitive because you don't have any sense of your hunger cues. So I do like things like tracking food and doing food journals initially just to show people like you are not eating enough. Look, here's proof. And I'm holding up my hand like here's proof (laughs) that you're not eating enough. You need to eat a little bit more here and here and here, even though it doesn't seem like you should. Let's start eating a little bit more and then they can kind of get off and going with it. When you said, um, about like, if you're not eating, when you eat more, you can get those gains because you can get more out of your workout. I feel like it's all the rage now to do fasted cardio, fasted exercise, because people, I know people say (laughs) you'll burn fat. If you don't eat before an exercise, then you'll just automatically burn fat. I would not be able to complete my exercise if I didn't eat. I wouldn't have any energy. So I guess I know your thoughts on that. (laughs) Uh, I have have thoughts on fasted training. Um, First of all, you can burn fat as like a source of energy, but that doesn't mean you're burning body fat. So you can burn carbohydrates as a source of energy and fat as a source of energy, but that doesn't mean you're burning body fat to get through that exercise. Those are completely different things fat as fuel and body fat. So I would say you need to do a little bit more, not you specifically, but like there needs to be more learning about like what it means to burn fat, you know, when you're doing that fasted cardio. So uh, Lane Norton is a great person to follow for that kind of information. He debunks all that stuff. If your kid was going to a soccer practice, you would tell them, eat some food before your practice or you're going to pass out. And then as soon as they finish their soccer practice, you would tell them you need to eat again because you know, like that's, that's, you need to eat for your performance. I don't know why we're not telling ourselves the same. It's so crazy to me that like, as moms, we're telling our kids, you need to eat to be healthy and all this, but like, we're doing the complete opposite ourselves. So because we don't think about performance, we think about weight loss. Like, I feel like any mom that's working out, we can get into this too, is, has an Mm -hmm. ideal body that they're trying to achieve. And it's not about a performance. Like for me, just as a former athlete, like I would do orange theory or like F45 and they'd have these uh, competitions. And like, I was all about performance. And if there was a mile run or if there was something like I had to win again, my perfectionist personality that turned into eating disorders. But I think most women just want to lose weight or tone. And they're not really thinking about performance or like, what will burn fat? Like what will make me lose weight? And maybe you don't look at it because it's not what you think. 
and you think it because it's what we were told for so long, it, like carbs are bad and bread is bad. And I don't know, it, it's making me think like about diet culture where like, if you do cut carbs and you do cut out certain things, like you're gonna see fat loss and it's, it's mm-hmm. going to be probably quick, but it's not sustainable. And so people that are looking for a fat loss or something, they're not going to look for a balanced lifestyle because it takes a second. Right. You want like a quick fix, but yeah. it's not sustainable again. Like, so when yeah. you cut those things out, like, yes, you'll see a difference, but it's just going to come right back on until you can kind of teach your body to trust right. you, like to trust itself again and live a balanced lifestyle, like go of the stress of dieting. Because that's the other thing when you are in that constant state of stress and cortisol, if you just calm the F down. And, and I know, again, I I'm making it sound simple 20 years to figure this out and listen to your body. It, it's just, it, I'm not working out as hard tests. Like I'm not in the gym seven days a week anymore. I'm, I'm making the most all the time. time. I'm yeah. Four times yeah. a week, but I go so hard in that precious time that I get to go to the gym because I have two kids. And like when I know it's, it's like, yeah, I had more time to work out in my twenties, but it was like, I wasn't doing it efficiently. Now as a mom, mm-hmm. I'm getting it in, I'm eating way more. And that's what I was thinking of when you're saying that earlier about eating, I would eat breakfast and then ignore if like a couple hours later, an hour later, I was hungry. It was, I'd be like, I know I already ate breakfast. I'm not going to no, eat. It's too yeah. soon. Exactly. Like you, you, you must not be hungry. Feel hungry, but I'm like, that's too much food. I can't eat it. I already had a breakfast, yeah. but now it's like, I just eat another breakfast. And that would have blown my <laughs> mind when I was 20 yeah. pounds heavier and living oh in God. a way that's not as hard. I almost feel like it's cheating. Like I was working so hard for weight loss but it wasn't happening. And now I've figured out a way like mm-hmm. lifting heavy, eating all the time, honoring my mm-hmm. hunger cues, having indulgences every day, like a margarita, mm-hmm. a glass of wine, because yeah. I think you've posted something about that recently about restriction. Yeah. Like what does that mm-hmm. do for you when you restrict? I, oh, I, so like I have a rule for myself and clients, a treat per day and your treat can be whatever you want it to be. It could yes. be wine. It could be chocolate. <laughs> like yes. give yourself that thing and, and like, and actually do it too. Uh, because like, once you get out of that deprivation mindset, then you're not thinking like, I, I might not ever have this again. Cause that's what it was. Like when I was binging, it was like, I'd better eat this chocolate because the chocolate might disappear yes. if I don't eat it right now. Like, yes, it's all or nothing. <laughs> it feels like it's going to be gone forever. I'm limits. never going to eat chocolate again. Yes. Or yeah, it's not it's your day limits. for treats. I, I eat treats on the weekend. So now I need to eat all the treats because it's the weekends. Oh, and no, then I'll just day. eat really clean during the week. Now I have a glass of wine or two every day and it's not tempting yeah. or enticing to go out on the weekends and have a bottle of wine or have eight cocktails right. because I do it every, uh, I do it every week. Yeah. So it's not this scary thing. And before, like I would go to a wedding or something when I wasn't drinking wine because sugar and calories, like I can't drink wine and I'd have a glass of wine. And then it's like, oh, I blew it. Might as well have the bottle Mm -hmm. and the weekend, like have the weekend start over on Monday. And it's just this cycle. If you allow daily indulgences, which I'm so glad a professional trainer is on board with this, (laughs) stick with it. Like, and it's not like stick with a diet because it's not a diet, but you can maintain this lifestyle because you're not deprived. Mm -hmm. I get a margarita or wine every day. Why would I not want to do this? And then you're never like hung over and eating bad on the weekends because you don't feel good. And having these binges where I thought, well, I, reward myself because I, I did great all weeks. And then, and then you on the weekends, you just go crazy and go on a bender and then you're back Monday. And it's like, it just was a cycle of like giving myself these cheat days that don't work. Like you don't, you're just killing what you did all week. Just let yourself have something every day. And it's like somebody who that and be mm-hmm. like, you can't have treats every day or you can't have wine every day. You can. You, and I you weigh less. Have, you can't live on treats every day. That yeah, not every awful, meal. But like you can cert not every meal of every day, but you can certainly have a little treat per day. And it's not gonna like if 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 everything else, if 80% of your day is great, then what's like a little treat gonna do to you? It's nothing. It's bad. <laughs> it's, it's gonna make you stay with it. It's gonna make you not. Yeah, quit. And the same with one missed workout. What is one missed workout in the scheme of 50 years of consistent workouts. It's a drop in the bucket. It's nothing. You know, like I see my, I see people freaking out about like, I missed a workout. I got to double up. Just let it go. You know what? If you were really busy and you were too stressed to do your workout, just let it go. You can do it next week. You can do it another time. Like you have the whole rest of your life to do this. Like life does not end tomorrow. If you don't 
eat perfectly. And if you don't do your workout, like you'll have time for it. It's a balance. <laughs> it's so I think it's, yeah. yeah. And I think the key is like really being realistic about where your life is at. Um, I don't have time. I don't, I'm the same as you. I only train like four times per week. Sometimes it's only three on a really bad week, maybe once or twice. Um, but I haven't stopped ever. And look um, at you. I, I mean, well, <laughs> During pregnancy, all of it, like Same. I scaled back, you know, you, you just, you work with what you're in, in the pandemic too. Like it changed a lot. You just do what you can in the moment. You work really hard when you can, and then you let the rest of that shit go. Because you'll stress yeah. if you don't, if it's like, I, like before, if I went on vacation, it was like immediately does the, the hotel have a gym? I didn't get a run in this morning and that stress is going to hurt you more. It's like, just accept mm -hmm. it. Like, oh. now I'm not, I'm, I'm going to get in a couple workouts. Like, or go on a vacation and not work out, which would like blow my mind before when right. I was 20 pounds heavier. <laughs> it's like, I have just figured this out like in the last couple of years. And that's why I wrote my book, like to that woman who was working out and is on the treadmill and restricting, there's a different way. And it doesn't sound right. Like just eat more and lift heavy. And then, cause that's not what we're taught, but you are mm -hmm. like an example of it. Um, something else that you said earlier that we, I mean, I did find one thing where we're different. Uh, you said like when you had your baby, you, your first, you were like unapologetically like, no, I'm going to go to the gym. I struggled with mom guilt. Like, and especially like during the mm -hmm. pandemic, when I had my kids at home, when I would really need yeah. a workout, like for stress relief and so, like, I would feel bad taking that time for myself and like going to the mm -hmm. gym was such a like, sacred, like I needed it. That was my time that I wasn't listening to wheels on the bus and I could listen to my playlist and I didn't have it. And I felt guilty mm -hmm. taking that time for me. I was a stay at home mom for six years. I was with my kids from morning until night, <laughs> all the time with the kid on my boob, with a kid on my hip. I didn't feel any guilt about taking one hour to go work out. And my, sure. my husband never made me feel bad about it either. And I'm not saying that yours did, but like, yeah, I, I never felt like I wasn't being a good mom because I was with them all the flipping times. So <laughs> it's like, I can separate myself for like an hour and it's going to be okay. So I, yeah, I don't know. I just never had that. I did have working mom guilt. And during the pandemic, that was really hard. And I feel like a lot of moms really struggled because already we have a hard time uh, with these blurred lines, you know, like the, the, the line between my mom self and my wife self and my personal self, my athlete self, my, my colleague or my boss, like all of those lines are already kind of blurry. But then when all of them got stuck in the same house during the pandemic, we're like, all of, all of a sudden, all of my identities are colliding and they're all in one place. I had a really hard time separating myself and being able to shut off that part that, you know, when I usually go to the gym, I shut everything off. I literally shut my email down and I remove myself from my house, from my situation. I go to the gym and I am just my athlete self there but I couldn't do that at home. And that's why I, I actually can't trade at home. I don't enjoy it um, just because I have such a hard time shutting it off. But I did have a lot of guilt during the pandemic about, you know, I'm not, I'm not spending time with my clients right now. I'm not like giving them their value. I'm not, you know, helping my kids with their online school. I'm not help. I'm in the house, but I'm not doing any housework. That was really hard. I was just saying, I felt like I was but. coming up short everywhere. Like I know I'm trying to yeah. help with like online school. I'm trying to get episodes to my producer, like half ass episodes. My kids were mad at me. I know I didn't get a workout in. I think a lot of people fell off in the pandemic. Cause it was like, yeah almost like an excuse, like my gym's closed. So I guess I'll just, <laughs> you know, what do you say to the woman yeah. that maybe has fallen off and is looking for that motivation to start something back again? Like, where do they start? I think you start with a routine and I think it's something as simple as just putting aside five to 10 minutes per day, but only doing your workout or your, or whatever activity it is that contributes to your health. Don't multitask don't like, don't be like, I'm going to fit in some squats while I'm cooking. Don't do that. Just like, just focus on 
your workout or your meditation or your walk, just set aside five minutes per day, 10 minutes per day. And then you can build up to it. You know, then you can add another five, then you can add another 10, but just start with the routine. Because I think that's like, we're kind of in the opposite routine of not putting ourselves even in the equation anymore. So get back into the routine of just setting aside five minutes, telling your family, like, I'm going to be taking five minutes, please don't disturb me. And then that way they can get used to it as well. Because I think a lot of the guilt that comes with women, moms taking time uh, for themselves is they're wondering, is my family going to be okay? Are they going to need something? Like, are they going to be able to function without me? And they probably can. Like, you're probably a great mom and have trained them to do just fine on their own. <laughs> but we worry about it. So just even taking that little bit of time initially gets them used to it, gets you to see like, they're going to be fine. The kids aren't going to starve to death. They're not going to tear the house down. My husband can change a diaper. <laughs> and right. then you can start to build on it. And yeah. it doesn't need to be much, I mean, more than five minutes, but it doesn't, I mean, like 20, 25 well, minutes, because I think a lot yeah. of people, it's like, I don't have an hour. I can't go take a class. So I won't work out. You don't need an hour. Mm -hmm. exactly. And you need to do the right things. Like, like if, if I could design like a great program, it would be just a couple of key movements, like a squat, a deadlift, a pull up. If you just did those three exercises, but you put your everything into them, Oh my God, your whole body would change. <laughs> you don't exactly. need an hour to do jumping Bosu kicks into the air onto a burpee into steps. <laughs> <laughs> right. You don't need to do all that. Like just do a couple of things really, really well and then be done with it. And the three things that you named just happened to be not a cardio hit. Well, I thought I had to do. Mm -hmm. Why should women focus more on a quick like weightlifting session versus like a hour cardio class? Right. So I think a lot of women, we're talking about women, I'm assuming that have like this physique goal, like women who want to look good, right? They Don't want to most have women certain, have that like, look. <laughs> Don't yeah, you assume exactly. that like they're in the gym so, to look good. Yeah. So that to me, that is a sport of bodybuilding. That's what I do. That's my, that's my jam. That's my sport bodybuilding, which is a scary word for a lot of women to hear. Cause they imagine like women who are these like huge jacked people. And that's not it. Bodybuilding is simply the sport of shaping your body, like using diet and exercise to create an aesthetic that you want. So weight training. Okay. I like to think of bodybuilding as sculpting cardio and restrictive calories would be like taking a chisel to a block of clay, right? Or like removing from that clay, but weight training and adding calories would be like putting clay onto your statue. So that's what you use to kind of create form and shape to it. So you do kind of use them both strategically, but if you just take a chisel to that, you know, sculpture over and over and over again, you're just making it smaller. You're not, you're not changing the shape. You're not making it like a gorgeous aesthetic or anything. You're just chiseling away at it and that's it. Um, Weight training is what's really going to give you the shape and definition and curves that you want, though. So weight training and eating food, those are like the materials, your raw materials that you're going to use to stick on your sculpture. I love you, that. Like if you don't have enough food in your body, then you don't have the materials to stick on to that sculpture. <laughs> I love that. Yes. And how much is it nutrition versus exercise? Like they say, you can't outwork a bad diet. Is that the case? If you're looking for physique results, how much is it nutrition versus exercise? Um, yeah, I think they go hand in hand. Um, you're not going to have a good workout if you feel like crap. So if you're undernourished, you're not going to have a great workout. If you're eating foods that don't feel good in your body, like, you know, a, a crappy diet, then you're not going to have a good workout either. So you have to be eating in a way that makes you feel good so that you can get the most out of your training. So it's so all about that's how like I kind of doing training. It's not about, yeah, it's, yeah. To me, like the, everything revolves around training. My whole life revolves around it. But if you like, if you start to think of it as training like an athlete, um, thinking about fueling your body for performance at the gym, things kind of start to fall into place. Like stop thinking of yourself as just like this person who needs to get smaller and smaller. Think of yourself as an athlete, as a bodybuilding athlete. Bodybuilders are athletes as well. So think of yourself as a little bodybuilder and start training like that because that's what you're trying to do. If you're trying to change your physique, you are trying to be bodybuilding. So and kinda, yeah, people hear yeah, building, like it's an like, Ugh, building, I want to be small, but it's like, 
you're you're not going to what you are picturing the women that look like that how what they have to eat and how hard they have to work out to achieve that you that's not going to just happen to you if you start lifting (laughs) People are shocked when they'll ask, like, because I get a lot of comments on my shoulders. Be like, oh my God, as you you should. (laughs) They are are perfection. (laughs) They're with pride and joy. (laughs) They're so good. Explode just by looking at them. (laughs) Um, But they're shocked to hear that it took years of that. Like, I had been doing karate for 10 years and then I weight trained for another 10 years to get those shoulders. And they're, they're shocked and maybe a little bit disheartened when I tell them that. I'm like, it's really freaking hard. Like, I try really hard. Yeah. <laughs> For so long, I was like, I don't want to bulk. I just want to tone. So I would lift like tens or twelves because I'm going to tone. I never had any muscle tone at all until I started right. lifting heavy. And it's like, you're not going to bulk. Right. You're going to tone. That's it. But women are so scared to pick up heavier. I think you posted about that recently. Yeah. Like, when, like, yeah. trust that that is how you're going to see definition. Unless you have, like, if you right. have a horrible diet, which I understand, like, you're building muscle underneath a lot of fat, like it's not going to, you're not going to see the tone. You have to have the nutrition piece right. too. But if you're yeah. looking for muscle tone and you're lifting light mm-hmm. weights because you only want to tone, you won't see the tone unless you pick up yeah. heavier weights and women. Right. I think I was afraid of that. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the thing is you have to keep on challenging yourself. That's called progressive overload. Your body is very good at adapting to whatever stimulus you give it. That's what we're programmed for. That's what we're made for is survival. Like you put a human body into a crazy situation and it will figure out a way to survive, hopefully. (laughs) But that's what's happening. If you keep doing the same program with the same light weights over and over and over again, like, look, our regular day-to-day mom life is using weights like 10 pounds. Like the grocery bags that we're carrying are 10 pounds. Our children are 10, 30, well, maybe 50 pounds. Um, But they're not, (laughs) like, it's all in that weight scheme, rep scheme or weight Mm -hmm. number scheme. Um, To get a different result, you have to do something different. So you have to pick up something a little bit heavier than what you're used to so that your body can break out of that adaptation and start growing again and start changing again. If you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same results. Yes. So it's time to do something different. Like gradually, you don't have yeah. to just oh, go God. pick up the thirties. Like, oh my God. Just look at it as little don't. steps. If you're tens, try the twelves yeah. and go to the fifteens. Gradually oh, build up so that your body isn't adapting to what you're doing every day. That's it. It can be as simple as like one extra rep one week, one extra yeah. set, 2.5 extra pounds. It can just be a little bit, but as long as you are you know, just incrementally improving and increasing every single week, it will add up. And especially if you add that time component, you compound that over 10 years. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, exactly. (laughs) It's not going to be overnight. Yeah. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. For so long, I would just have a glass of wine or two before bed and I would fall asleep fine. But a couple hours later, I'd be wide awake. And that's because wine has sugar. Make the transition to tequila. Tequila has no sugar, no carbs. It's gluten free. And I just found a tequila that is additive free, a clean spirit called Inspiro Tequila that was developed by a woman. It's crafted by women and every step from from developing the taste profile to getting it on the shelves. It's all women and they support other women. Right now they're giving my listeners 10% off at InspiroTequila.com with promo code Margaritas10. That's Margaritas and the number 10 at InspiroTequila.com. It's smooth. You can sip it on the rocks or in a skinny margarita. And right now you can get it for 10% off at InspiroTequila.com. Now back to squats and margaritas. We've kind of touched on this. I've been a little anxious to ask you about it, but um, we've kind of touched on my drinking squats and margaritas is like the balanced lifestyle. I go hard in the gym, Mm -hmm. but again, like Mm -hmm. daily indulgences and mine happens to be a cocktail. Mm -hmm. Honestly, as a trainer, Mm -hmm. like how bad Mm -hmm. is that for performance? Like daily alcohol. Should I be cutting alcohol? Should I only have it a couple times a week? I can totally moderate it. It'll be one or two glasses. Like I, (laughs) but is it not the best thing for my healthy fit lifestyle? Probably. I would say if your (laughs) alcohol consumption is starting to interfere with your sleep and your recovery, then yeah, that might be a problem. Okay. Um, That's something in mom culture. Like we have our glasses of wine at night. And I also like, 
I have a glass of wine almost every single night as well. Babe, um, thank you for when, saying yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> and do. look at you. Uh, <laughs> But you don't overdo I mean, it. It's, you set a glass of wine. Like it's moderation. It. Yeah, you it's can have things. Just yeah. don't drink a bottle of wine. Right? Don't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if I drink, if I were to drink way too late at night, then I couldn't sleep well. And then that would hurt my recovery. And then I wouldn't train. Like, again, it all just comes back to that training. training. <laughs> like it all revolves around the workouts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if it was starting to trickle into my recovery and my workouts, then yeah, I would say like, maybe try drinking earlier. <laughs> You're telling me today drink. Consider- That's where I'm getting this. Drink during the day is what oh my, my so trainer said. Good night's sleep. Yeah. You know what I just learned? Uh, I had um, a woman on that has a CBD company and I've never tried it. I'd never like, it's just never something that I've tried. And she explained to me about like how CBD is different than marijuana. Cause it's like THC and CBD CBD. Okay. She has a line for women. And she has a sleep gummy and she's like, it's just a stigma. She's like, everybody at the, at the end of the day, like you just said, the moms have the glass of wine and it's like, oh, she'll have a glass of wine or two. She's a mom. But she's like, say that you have a CBD gummy. And it's like, oh, she goes, it's the same thing. But she's like, yeah. what? She's trying to remove the stigma from it. She's like, when you take this, mm. it has a little bit of melatonin and CBD, which is a activator for whatever it's paired with. So it's going to activate the melatonin. Mm -hmm. She goes, I have the best sleep ever because the problem with the wine is like, you have a glass of wine and you're tired from the day you go to sleep, but she's like, dehydrated. yes, the sugar kicks Mm -hmm. in, in the middle of the night and you're wide awake. But she's like, that's, but everybody's like, Oh, just have wine. Cause it's more like socially acceptable. She's like that wine, the sugar in that wine is going to wake you up and you're not going to have like rested sleep. So she has me on these like CBD sleep gummies now, because she's like, instead of a glass of wine, it's the same melatonin and everything that you can, it'll put you to sleep and you won't have that sugar that wakes you up in the middle of the night. And she's like, like in great shape too. So she's like, I I get rested Mm. sleep because I stopped having that glass of wine and you're getting the same effect of this, like unwinding at the end of the day. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I just never, but it is like a stigma. So people just think it's more acceptable to have a glass of wine, but it does like mess with your sleep. You're in the States, right? What is the, what is the pot situation? Oh yeah. What's your pot? It's legal. Yeah. It's legal. It's legal CBD. I was CBD is legal. Okay. Not marijuana, but CBD. Oh, it's legal up here. Like it got legalized and now it was like mind blowing to to see all the little pot (laughs) chops. Yes. Pop up. I was like, I know has everyone been doing this. And I just had no idea. I know. I think it, there was a stigma, but <laughs> there doesn't need to be because a lot of people are doing it. So it's almost like healthier. It's a lot more yes. Yeah. I was completely honest with her. I was like, I never smoked weed like once in my life. And I was like, all I wanted is for it to be over. And I hated feeling out of control and I hated it. And she's like, what you're uh, describing is the THC in marijuana. It's uh, the other okay. part. She's like, this is like a yeah. Zen it's kind of, she's like, it's not a head right. high. It's a calming. So she, her whole mission is like CBD wellness, wellness for women. She has a strength gummy. Um, a sleep gummy, a sex gummy. She's all these things for women. And she's like, it's not THC. It's not like a head high and it's completely legal, Mm -hmm. but she's like, there's, it's the stigma. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's fine. Have your glass of wine or two. That's what moms do. And so I was like, I am trying to not do the wine at night. And cause she sends me (laughs) sleep gummies. Um, fun to sip though. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. I enjoy (laughs) my, I mean, at one point food was something that i like used as a reward. It was like a vehicle to purge. Like I just used it. I never enjoyed food. And like, since I've been, Mm. I guess I'm recovered from bulimia. I don't practice that for like 14 years, but apparently I still Mm -hmm. have like, and I know I have like noise, like about body image, but ever since I enjoy my meals. And the reason, most of the reason that I drink every day is because it's a pairing of some sort. Like if I have pasta or pizza, Mm. I want a glass of red wine. If I have chicken wings or tacos, I want a beer. And it's like food is Mm -hmm. an experience now. It's not like something that was so, I don't know, like reward, punishment, something that make me throw up. I enjoy my meals now. And I want to have a glass of wine to pair with it because it is an experience and not a vehicle for binging and purging. I would, I would miss restriction. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wanted to talk to you about something I didn't prep you for. And I'm, I don't know if you want to talk about this. I'm sure you will. So in line with us being the same, we both have biracial children and I, (gasps) do you really? Yeah. We're the same Sagittarius. We drink wine and we lift heavy. How old are your kids? Nine, seven, and five. Well, yeah, almost. 
So mine are five and three. And I have not had a conversation with them about race. And (gasps) because they do not notice anything. Like we just came back from Ohio and my Mm -hmm. nephews are blonde hair, blue eyes. And Mm -hmm. my husband's side of the family, they play with the nephews and nieces here, obviously are the black side of the family. They play with both sides of the family. And in every time I'm like, they're going to say something like they don't look like either side. There has never been a question about it. Like I'm lighter, I'm darker. It has not come up. And so I am almost like holding on to their innocence because I don't want, especially my daughter to take on one more thing to stress about. Like, why don't I look like this side? Why don't I look like this side? And she would stress it. And because she doesn't see a difference, I have not said anything yet. And I've been told that that's maybe not the right thing to do. And there's a time that you should prepare them as a mother for this conversation. But if she's not stressing it now, it's very hard for me to be like, bring up something that she doesn't even see. Yeah. And I don't, I didn't yeah. know how you handled it. Obviously your kids are older. Like, did they come to you? Like, what do I do? So we, we started talking about like, you know, mixing colors and stuff when they were little kind of explained it as like, you know, daddy is uh, dark Brown. Mommy is white. And when you put them together, that's a light Brown. And that was kind of the extent yeah. of our conversations. Um, they've kind of progressed a little bit more throughout the years. But I would say when the Black Lives Matter movement really hit, you know, went off last year with um, with George Floyd, that's when we started to talk to my son about it a little bit more, um, just because we didn't want him to be caught unawares as a young black boy. Yeah. Um, it, he hasn't experienced any kind of racism. Like awesome. the schools that he's gone to have been very multicultural, very multiracial. So he hasn't experienced that. But I I recognize that as a white woman who lived in a super white town, um, I like I don't know what he's in for. And that's the scariest thing for me is like I actually have no idea what to prepare them for because I've had no experience with it. And I'm okay with saying that because that's same. I know that's, the fact of the that's your experience. Um, right. That's my experience. And my husband isn't like a necessarily like he doesn't talk about it a lot. So we just started kind of you know, talking to him a little bit last year about like, you know, you're going to have to be extra careful in certain social situations. Yeah. And um, like this, people might be mean to you because of your race. And, you know, we started talking about how my husband's family arrived in America, um, which led to some questions about like, mommy, why would your family do that to daddy's family? I was like, oh my oh God. My God. Oh. I'm not getting any of these questions. Yeah. And I know that I will. And my yeah. son is a three-year-old in which I know it's going to be a different experience for him than my daughter. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't want, and somebody else, she's like the lady that I was talking to, she was like, you don't want someone on the playground to be the person that points it out. And I was like, oh right. my God, she, and she's not prepared. She's like, huh? Cause I feel like if someone would be like, what are you? Yeah. Amaya would be like, what do you, like, what do you mean? I'm a girl. Like she doesn't, she doesn't think about it. And, and so right. she wouldn't be prepared to answer that. And as a mom, I know that I need to prepare her to answer that question. And I don't want her to hear from somebody else, but she, I don't know yeah. how she hasn't no, like, there's been no questions. Let's not like, and she plays, <laughs> I mean, they are completely so different normal for them. I know. And she stresses so many things. She's a firstborn perfectionist. I have no idea why she stresses. <laughs> I'm like on Zola for my anxiety <laughs> and I get it, but like, I don't want to be like, and also I know all these things you're stressed about. Guess what? You're also multiracial. Like, yeah. I don't want to drop that on yeah. her, but also oh when God. is if it's somebody so else is going to gonna say, she's not going to know what to say. She doesn't like yeah. ever question it. And I, I mean, th- my son, mm-hmm. he's three, so I'm like, not really worried there, but they don't even yeah. like my friends have, have said that they have had the race conversation with their children because of my kids. They'd be like, oh, Maya's lighter oh. than us. Are, and I was like, oh, that's great. Like we still have it. <laughs> they are noticing, but oh, my kids my God. don't notice. Or maybe they do. Maybe they do. And you, yeah. they just haven't expressed it. Like they know, they know that you guys are a different color. They can say that. It's just that they don't necessarily talk about it because it's not being talked about. Like, yeah, true. There was an incident at the playground a little while ago where somebody asked, one of the kids asked if the kids were adopted because they didn't look the same as me. And they thought that was so ridiculous. So like, how does he not know that we're biracial? (laughs) So like they were, 
they like they were already prepared to i guess have that interaction because they knew like well of course i'm not adopted i'm biracial dude yeah <laughs> Okay. I love the colors, like make, like mixing the colors. I'm like, yeah, you have a darker color and a lighter color that makes a in-between color. Well, I, I didn't have any kind of knowledge or like, I, I wasn't talking to my black friends, my black family members about like how to broach the subject at that point. That's all I, that's all the tools that I had was like, we're, you know, know. half and half. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of still learning as well about like how to navigate those conversations about, you know, the differences and the stereotypes and it's, it's yeah. so hard. Like you do know that there, there's just going to be so much of an uphill struggle for them. Like, I don't, do you want to do that now? But there are kids their age who are going through much, much worse. So like, yeah, I mean, are they, are they not their... ready for it? I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm not going to know, know until I say it and drop it on her. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's why I say, yeah, her innocence. I just want to protect. She's not stressing it. And it's like yeah. one less thing. But again, if I imagine somebody be like, what are you? She'd be like, she wouldn't even know how to answer that because we don't talk about it. And then another woman I had on every time I have like a multiracial family, I, I always ask this question. And she was like, um, as soon as they bring it up, that's when you tell them. And I was like, mm -hmm. see, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. They're not bringing it up. They're not. They're not. And then yeah. another one was like, no, you need to tell them like if someone, someone's going to bring it up. And if it's not you, yeah. their first knowledge of them being different or not like it's going to be from someone else. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. true. And then it, mm -hmm. I just like, I just wanted to get your perspective and I knew your kids were a little bit older, like how you handled that. Yeah. Do you think it's a white person thing to Maybe. try to protect their innocence? I don't know. Right? Like in other places in the world, they don't have that luxury. Like there's no protecting innocence for, you know, kids on a street, right? Like yeah. they, they just grow up fast. Maybe. So I wonder if that's kind of like, our whiteness showing yes, <laughs> like it trying probably to protect is. kids who, yeah. Cause the know. two women that I talked to, they were black and their husbands were white and they were like, you gotta tell them and like prepare them for the world. I'm like, no, I don't know yet. Like it's, I don't, yeah. I just want to protect and, but maybe it's not protecting them. Cause I'm not preparing them. I'm looking at it as protecting yeah. them, but I'm not preparing them for someone. I just keep picturing some or mean girls. Like She's going to, you know, mm. she's going to be six. Like when she's like mm. 10 or 11 and somebody would be like, what are you like? Are you black? Are you white? And she'd be like, what? Like, it's going to crush me. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yes. Yeah. I seriously think she'd be like, I don't know how she would answer that question because we haven't prepared her because I don't want her to stress it. And because I guess that other woman was like, when, as soon as they bring it up, and I'm like, she's not. And I thought after Thanksgiving, I mean, the whole week with my side of the family. And then the next day mm -hmm. we went to a football game and she went with uh, my husband's side of the family. Like, and she, she just doesn't, she's just grown up with both of us and has never, mm. I mean, I guess if she just grew up with like a predominantly white family and then was like, Oh, and meeting my husband's family or vice versa, because we've always just been in her life, like the extended family. She just thinks everybody's different, which great. Yes. Everybody's different. Like Everybody yeah. looks different. And I always yeah. say, like, I always try to make her feel, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. Like, I always try to make her feel like I remind her that I'm brunette. Like you have black hair, just like mommy. Like you're, you, right. you're the same as mommy. And then I'm like, what am I, what am I doing that? Like, I, I don't know. Mm. I don't know what is the right thing. And I know this is like, I know. gone. we've taken a left from our fitness conversation. <laughs> But these are important conversations too. In our family, actually, it's it's kind of like a fun thing. Like my sister is one of my sisters is married to um, a Chinese man, and the other sister is married to a Guyanese man. Uh, the other two sisters are married to like white white men. Yeah. So all of the babies and cousins look totally oh. different. So it's almost like a game in our family. Like, all right, what do we think this cousin's going to look like? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's another conversation about like when you mix, you know, when you mix people of different ethnicities, like it, it's going to be a different result too. So, yeah. But, and it's beautiful. Yeah. That was the other thing that she told me. She's like, it's, it's an almost like an honor. You get to be both. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm just white. Mm -hmm. Your dad's just black. You get to be white and black. Like how cool oh, is that? Like that? that you get to be both. And I was like, Ooh, yeah. love that. Yeah. Like it's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. You don't have to choose. You get to be both. I can only be this. Both. He can only be this. You get to be both. Yeah. And that. from what I've heard, like from, you know, the generation before ours, it was kind of tricky navigating being both because they didn't feel part of either the yes. white or the black culture. Yes. But now it seems like there are so many more biracial kids. I'm like hoping that it's just not even a thing. Cause like, like you said, like your kids have not brought it up. My kids haven't really brought it up. It hasn't been like a thing that they've, you know, I know that they've not brought it up, but like, it hasn't been a problem for them. Right. There's just so many other kids who are like them now that it's, 
it's becoming more normal. So hopefully it just, (laughs) I know it's not going to go away, but yeah. Yeah. Our naive white mom conversation. (laughs) Um, I know. know. Well, I'll, I'll bring it back and just, I want to end with anyone that's feeling inspired or motivated um, during this conversation. If they have a little bit of time, what's your most like bang for your buck tip? Like if you get some time to yourself during the day, do you go for a run? What are you going to get the most um, out of? Like if you're looking to get in shape, what do you, what do you tell them? Definitely, definitely go and do one exercise as heavy as you safely can. We get enough cardio in our day as it is. We go for walks, we go to the grocery store, we do the things, you know, like cardio is very easy to come by and it's easy to fit into your day. Strength training requires a little bit of warm up. It requires equipment and a setup. So I would say spend whatever precious time you have, um, either building, you know, positive habits to support your, your training or just spending it on some really heavy ass lifts. If you only have time for a squat, make it a really damn good squat. Go as (laughs) heavy as you safely can with as good form as you can manage and eat some food. (laughs) Yes, eat and lift and have a margarita. Eat and lift and be happy. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.